Hey everyone, welcome to the Growing Intuitive Eaters podcast. This is episode four of six where we're going through my Growing Intuitive Eaters 101 course on the podcast. This course is a full course for parents who want to break the generational cycle of disordered eating, raise kids with a healthy relationship with food, and ditch the sweets obsession. In today's episode, we're covering how to ditch the sweets obsession, plus how to navigate holiday meals. Remember that this course was originally designed for YouTube, so you may hear me reference the videos throughout the episode. If you're enjoying this course, please take a moment to rate and leave a review on whichever platform you are using because this is so, so helpful for me as a content creator and also for reaching more parents who need this information. And don't forget to follow along on my YouTube channel because I have lots of extra content there, including my latest video responding to an episode of Jonathan Van Ness's show, Getting Curious. Now let's get to today's episode. Welcome to Growing Intuitive Eaters. My name is Dr. Taylor Arnold. I'm a pediatric registered dietitian, nutrition PhD, and mom to two. And I'm on a mission to share free and accurate content with parents so you can help your kids eat more veggies, not obsess over sweets, and have a healthy relationship with food, even if this is a work in progress for you. On this podcast, we'll chat practical tips for feeding kids, parenting, and the science behind it all. We are talking about dessert in this video, so had to have one of our household favorite sweets here. So the question of sugar, I get this question so often. How do I help my kids ditch the sweet obsession? How do I help them have a healthy relationship with food? First, I want you to know that it is normal for your kids and you to like and prefer sweets. It's in our nature as humans to seek sweet foods. And the younger our kids are, the higher sweet intensity they tend to seek out. So if your kid likes candy or likes sweets, that's normal and that's okay. But when we see a problem is when you feel like they're obsessed with with sweets or they're thinking about it all the time or they're sneaking it. So we're gonna talk about how to develop that healthy relationship with sweets so that's not an issue. Part of this is several things we've already discussed. Neutral food language, very important, huge, like, Very, very, very important when we're talking about sugar. We're not talking about sugar is bad for you, that candy is bad for you. We wanna keep the language neutral. Implementing the division of responsibility. It's your job to decide when something is served, not your child's. And it's their job to decide if they're gonna eat it and how much of it. We're not gonna be putting sweets on a pedestal by making our kids eat their veggies before they get their sweets. Like these are all really, really important. So just because this is a tiny part of this video, doesn't mean you should skip over it. I'm just kind of skipping over in this video because we've already talked about it in other videos, but neutral food language, division of responsibility, very critical. So number one, how do I help my kids have a healthy relationship with food? Ditch the sweets obsession. Um, The language, again, neutral. We've already talked about this previously in the course, so just a reminder, avoiding terms like special, cheat, cheat day, treat, good, bad, around foods or any food. Number two, serve dessert with the meals, not after. So serve sweets on the same plate as the rest of the meal or family style all on the table at the same time with the rest of the food. Saving dessert for after the meal sends a message that sweets are more exciting and they're the exciting reward for after the regular boring food is finished. This is a mentality we want to avoid with our kids. We wanna show our kids that sweets are on the level playing field with the rest of their dinner. It's not just more or less exciting, rather it's just another part of the meal. It just 
taste sweeter. We deserve dessert after a meal or only if the veggies are eaten. Our kids learned that, that dessert is more exciting than their meal or perhaps even a reward for good behavior like eating their vegetables. So that's number two. Number three, offer multiple servings. So this one might be like, you want me to offer them as many cookies as they want? Yes, I do, but let me explain. So allow your child to eat their fill of each food offered. So when you decide, that's your responsibility bucket, what to serve, it's your child's job to decide how much of it they're gonna eat and if they're gonna eat it. Um, so this includes sweet foods. Remember, again, how much is in their responsibility bucket. So in order to stick to these boundaries, we need to both allow a child to reject eating a certain food and eat as much as they'd like of another. So this applies to all food, veggies and sweets alike. In doing so, we are avoiding restriction around sweets. And restriction in the literature is very consistently associated with disordered eating habits, increased seeking behavior of that food, and higher BMI. Of note, I mentioned BMI here in the spirit of data transparency. There's many factors affecting a child's weight and one's BMI measurement is, or one BMI measurement is very subpar measurement of a child's nutrition status. So I digress. If we attempt to restrict sugar, we are in, which meaning like if we only give them one cookie and that's it, we're increasing the likelihood that our kids are gonna have a larger interest in sugar, thus increasing their consumption, especially once they get older and have more independence around food. So the very act of this restriction is your attempt to decrease the sugar consumption that it might actually increase the consumption of, their, of sugary foods and have the opposite effect that you're looking for. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but a relaxed approach to sweets with firm boundaries like the division of responsibility is the way we can help our kids have a healthy relationship with sweets and minimize the sweets obsession. So let's talk about the unlimited serving thing really quick, just in case you're like, okay, but they're gonna eat 10 cookies. So offering unlimited serving is, servings is important, but it doesn't have to be every single time they have sweets. Sometimes it's just not practical to allow unlimited servings, like in a restaurant or when you have run out of that, out of that food. Or like, and this doesn't just apply to sweets too. So think about like berries, you know, raspberries are really expensive and my kid could easily go through an entire box just for herself. But if we're sharing the box as a family, like I can't offer her unlimited servings because we have to be considerate and we have to share. So I'm applying this unlimited serving thing to all foods, but it usually parents kind of get hung up on it around the sweets. So that's why we're focusing on it in this video. So how do we practically apply this tip to offer unlimited servings? Um, first, don't be hard on yourself. If there are times when this doesn't fit with your bud budget, schedule, or life, that's just life. We can't make these like blanket statements that you always have to do this one thing in nutrition because it just doesn't work in nutrition and parenting. So the key with the times that you don't offer unlimited servings is that you're not restricting because you just think, okay, that's enough, that's enough sugar. A good litmus test for you is thinking, why are you limiting them on the sweets? Are you nervous that that much sugar is bad for them? All right, well in those situations, unless there's like a medical concern, try offering more. Um, you don't want to order a second dessert at an expensive restaurant. That's a very practical reason to limit dessert. So we limit dessert for a practical reason in this situation. So what if you're going to worry like, okay, well, like 
they have a whole, you know, they have a new box of Oreos that I just opened. They're gonna get a stomach ache, Dr. Arnold. So I say, use this as a teaching moment. You know, say something like, oh, I'm sorry your tummy hurts, sweetie. That is no fun. When I eat lots of Oreos, I feel sick too. Or oh, your belly hurts. Do you think it could be from the eight cookies you had? Saying something like, listen to your tummy. Sometimes eating that much Oreos could make your tummy hurt. That has much more gravity if they have the experience to support that. So am I saying that you should let your kid eat so much food that they feel sick? I'm saying that you can either control this risk for them or you can allow them to experience the consequences of their own actions. And it's up to you how risk averse you want to be in this parenting situation. Will your child's health be forever impacted negatively if you let them eat five brownies or eight Oreos and get a stomach ache? Unless there's a medical need, probably not. But they are going to remember that experience and allow that to govern their own limits around sugar. And so there can be a lot of benefit there. But this is up to you as the parent about how risk averse you want to be when it comes to this. I, myself, have let my kiddo, my daughter, experience a tummy ache from sweets. And for us, it was a great learning experience because she says, I'm gonna get a tummy ache if I eat a lot of this. So I know she registered it. All right. I know that's a lot to think about like offering unlimited servings, you know? And, and if this is a struggle for you, one tip I, I like to use is pick a time when you're gonna be at home, have more of a sweet food than your child can eat and just like put it on the table and let them have at it so that you are, you're like providing this in a structured setting and it's at home and you're like mentally prepared that this is, they're gonna eat a lot of sweets and you let them have as much as, as they would like and they're exploring that new boundary you set. They're making sure that, that, you're, that you're sure that this boundary is gonna stay in place, that they actually get to decide how much they get to eat. They're gonna be testing you and until they feel comfortable, they're gonna be testing you. So it's just a matter of getting in the right mental headspace, making sure your mindset is right, and just preparing yourself that they are going to eat a lot of sweets, that this is a new thing for them. So that's tip number three, and it was a long one. Tip number four on how to help your kids avoid a sweets obsession, serve sweets regularly. Keeping sweets in your rotation prevents the mindset that sweets are a special treat food. This just makes sweets less exciting and more normal. Like I mentioned before, if we intentionally restrict foods, we increase seeking behavior for those foods. And with psychology, that's, that applies to pretty much everything. We tell someone they can't have something or we restrict them from something, they want more of it. That's human behavior and it applies to sweets with our kids. The frequency of serving dessert is gonna vary depending on your family's specific needs. I find that kids who are constantly asking for sweets or are in a restriction mindset and need to be offered sweet foods more. The more entrenched you are in a sweets obsession, the more often you may need to make sweets available to help your child understand that these foods will be available frequently enough that they need not feel restricted. So for a toddler who's new to sweets and you're implementing this approach from the start, you might not need to serve sweets as often. I serve dessert maybe like one to three times with meals or snacks per week at home, but my daughter also gets a little bit of sweets occasionally at school. 
but your family's needs may be totally different. So if you're looking for a number, start there, but you might need to adjust based on your how your child responds. This is the responsive feeding part. There isn't like a black and white number that you should offer your kids dessert per week. So it's a very choppy sentence, but you get the point, right? <laughs> okay, so tip number five for avoiding a sweets obsession. Avoid food rewards. Rewards are exciting. We learn that from a very young age. And using sweets as a reward makes sweets exciting, makes them desirable, makes your kids want them. Food rewards send the message that sweets are better than other foods. So of course our kids get excited about sweets when we do this. If we want to keep sweets off of a pedestal, then avoiding desserts as a reward will help with that. Do I recommend not giving food rewards like M&Ms for family pictures or potty training? Yes, I do recommend avoiding that. Do I think that a rare food reward will ruin your child's relationship with food? No, it works until it doesn't. If you use M&Ms for potty training and you don't notice the sweets obsession, then do what works for your family. If you use a lollipop as a reward for weekly piano lessons and you notice your child constantly asking for sweets, then you might need to dial it back. Adjust to your child's needs and be kind to yourself. All right, tip number six. Examine your own relationship with sweets. So think about your own relationship with sweets. If you imagine yourself eating a cupcake, so like close your eyes, imagine yourself eating a cupcake. What emotions does this elicit? Joy, guilt, pleasure, embarrassment. If you find yourself associating negative emotions with eating sweets, you might have some room for improvement with your own relationship with sweets. So apply these same strategies that I discussed here in this video to your own food journey. Let your kids see you nurturing a healthy relationship with food yourself. Show them that this is important to you. All right, number seven, prepare for a long game, especially if you have a school-age kiddo and you're just implementing this for the first time. Changing this mentality around sweets can take time. Be consistent with these strategies. Prepare yourself that your kid may eat several servings of cake for dinner at night or one night, or that they may be upset when sweets aren't on the menu, or you know that they are upset when they can't order more dessert at a restaurant. But that's not gonna happen forever. One day, they're gonna surprise you with digging into their veggies first or only eating half of their cookie. And you'll do an internal happy dance and it, trust me, that feels so good when that happens. So consistency is key here. In this video, we are talking about holiday food, like navigating food around the holidays, navigating food with your kids at holiday parties, all the complicated stuff that comes with holidays and food and family. We do have another video that will be in this course as well about navigating like difficult family dynamics, family comments, family pressure. So some of the questions in this video are about family, um, but I've tried to save all of that for the family video. So just keep that in mind, like it's kind of like a two part series a little bit, but so the first part of this video is some of my quick tips for holiday meals. And the second part is gonna be a Q&A answering questions from my Instagram page. So I put up a question box in my stories and asked what questions people had about holiday food. So um, before attending a holiday gathering where someone else is hosting and providing food, because if it's in your house, then obviously you can set your normal rules and boundaries. 
Um, anyways, if it's at somebody else's house, I always, always, always try to set expectations for my kids. So something that I will say to my daughter, who is three and a half, but I've been saying to her since she was younger, is sometimes rules are different in someone else's kitchen, and that's okay. Or you never have to eat anything you don't want to. Or if someone tells you to try a bite or put something on your plate and you don't want to, just say no thank you, or you never have to do that if you don't want to. You could say something like, at our house, we serve sweet foods with meals, but grandma might, grandma might serve dessert after dinner instead of with dinner, or grandma might only have enough cookies for each person to have one. I just want you to know that so you're not surprised. Know that holiday meals are so few in number compared to the meals that your kids are gonna get for the rest of the year. So if our kids eat three meals per day, that's 1,095 meals every year, give or take, depending on your kids. Add in two snacks per day, and we get a total of 1,825 instances to offer a diverse range of nutrients to our kids to help them develop a healthy relationship with food. If a small handful of these meals, or even a small handful of the days in the year, have higher than normal amounts of sugar, lots of snacking, wacky meal times, that's okay. A few holiday meals aren't going to ruin your child's progress throughout the year. Keep things consistent at home, respect your child's mealtime independence at holiday meals, and maintain boundaries over how family members talk to your kids about food and bodies. And I'll address that in the family dynamics video. Your kid's mealtime eating is gonna be wacky and different on the holidays. They may resort to comfort foods because everything is changing and everything is different. There's lots of new sensory experiences. There's lots of family members. They might be getting less sleep. There's lots of excitement. It's normal for them to go to a holiday meal and just want their comfort foods. That's totally okay. There's lots of excitement. There's gonna to be tons of different types of foods, maybe in some that they've never seen before or aren't used to. Again, schedules are wonky. You're around a lot of different people that they might not be around all the time. And yeah, it's normal that it affects our kids' eating habits. It's also normal that it affects our eating habits. That, those kind of changes and uprooting routines would affect anyone's eating habits. So hold firm with the you provide child decide boundaries that you have set in place at your home. Keep those when you go out. Reduce the restriction mindset when it comes to holiday foods, but of course keep safety in mind. Like that's a 100% firm boundary as far as like choking hazards go. And know that holiday meals are only a tiny fraction of the food experiences that your kids get throughout the year. So how do we help kids see all holiday foods as normal when the family says they're treats? So this is a question I got on Instagram. And so here we just have to continue to enforce your healthy relationship with food language that we have at home. So if someone says like, oh, that this is a treat, um, you can say to your kid like, oh, hey, we try not to use those words about food. This is just like any other food that we eat. You can tell that in front of the family member. You can tell that to the family member. Um, you can also, if you're uncomfortable doing that in the situation, you can also tell your kiddo at home like after the fact, hey, grandma called a cookie a treat, but it's really just like any other food, you know? Um, we serve it with the rest of our foods on our plate, 
and it's just like any other food. Or, the, like, so that's one approach you can take. Or you can just continue to not use that word at home and to continue to enforce your boundaries, your healthy, positive food, positive body talk and neutral food talk at home. And know that like one blip when somebody calls food a treat isn't going to ruin your kid's entire perspective. So remember, like if they are exposed to people calling something a treat for one day and then you're consistent with it at home, then that's sometimes that's the best you can do and that's okay your kids are going to do great with that if your kid starts to see a food as a treat then we are going to continue to implement our strategies for sweets because usually these foods that are called treats are sweet foods we may need to introduce it more to normalize it to our kids and bring it back off of that pedestal because remember our kids relationship with food is like a moving target it's like a roller coaster it has ups and downs and sometimes when we have a unhealthy view of sweets, we can bring it back to normal by normalizing those sweets with the strategies I talk about in this course, the strategies that I've talked about on my Instagram page and on my YouTube videos. So keep that in mind. All right, another question I get is how do I serve dessert with the meal when everyone else waits until later? So my response to this is I don't. Um, I prep my kids ahead of time by saying, hey, grandma usually serves dessert with the meal. Just so you know, I don't want you to be surprised because that's not something, or grandma usually serves dessert after the meal. Just so you know, I don't want you to be surprised because that's not normally something we do at home, but that's okay. Sometimes when we go to people's other people's houses, things are different. Continue to serve dessert with the meal at home and know that a couple instances of them getting dessert after the fact is not gonna affect your kid's relationship with food in like a hugely negative way. Um, they're gonna get exposed to this a lot throughout their life. At birthday parties, cake is served after, at weddings, cake is served at the end. So it's normal in our culture to have dessert after the fact. Um, so the best we can do is to, is to help them establish a healthy relationship with food at home so we can give them a strong foundation so they're not really phased by dessert being served after when they go out. I also like to tell my kids ahead of time, hey, just so you know, we're having cake after dinner tonight. So that way they don't feel like they're eating their full at dinner and then they get to the cake and they're already stuffed and then they're like stuffing themselves even more with the cake or the pie or whatever your holiday dinner is. So, you know, you're letting them know ahead of time in case you want to save room in your tummy, we're having dessert after. So this is all about communication and being clear with your kids. So next question I get is, my kids see adults snacking and eating sweets frequently. Do I always give them these sweets and snacks when adults are eating them too? This again is really like what works best for your family and your kids. In general, if there's something out and available to everybody, I let my kids have it as long as it's safe. I know their meals are gonna be wonky. That might mean that they fill up on chocolate covered pretzels before the dinner even comes. And honestly, it is what it is for me. Um, I'd rather have reduced the restriction mindset and say, sure, grandma set out the pretzels and that means that they're available to anyone who wants to eat them, as long as we're sharing them with everyone else. Um, so if it's something like adults are grabbing things out of the fridge, but it's not like a platter set out for everybody, I might say, hey, that's not on the menu right now. Uncle Dan was hungry, so he got something out of the fridge, but you and me, we're gonna wait till dinner time in 30 minutes. So, you know, you're 
saying that you're also going to adhere to those boundaries with your kids and you're using that phrase that's not on the menu right now and leaving it at that and then we kind of do a distraction or move on to a different activity um, it's okay to talk to your kids about that's not on the menu for you right now even though it's on the menu for so and so because you know in a big family people are going to be eating things differently and you know, maybe somebody else is eating something for a reason. Maybe they're struggling with their relationship with food. So we don't want to criticize or change someone else's eating habits um, for the sake of our kids, as long as they're not doing any like negative self food talk or body talk, or negative self or body talk or food talk. Um, so I really don't like tell people, hey, can you not snack in front of my kids? Um, if it's a toddler who like doesn't understand, in those situations, I might ask them to either like try to be discreet or I might move my toddler. But if it's my older kid, I just say, hey, that's not on the menu right now. Um, you could also do something like if you're hungry, I can get out apple, an apple for you. I can get out a milk for you, a glass of milk for you. But we're going to have dinner in 30 minutes. So you have options here and it really just depends on what you feel comfortable with with your family. So um, next question. How to not restrict sweets when your kid won't to go to bed when your kid won't go to bed if they have some with dinner. So, a couple thoughts here. First is serve them at breakfast or snacks or lunch. Serve them at different times of the day. Um, we, as a culture, generally tend to serve sweets like in the form of dessert more with dinner, even though a lot of sweets are also served with breakfast in the form of just breakfast foods. Um, so keep that in mind. You can offer it at different times of the day and still help your kids get out of this restriction mindset. If other people are eating our dessert around them and you are saying you can't eat dessert because you're not gonna go to sleep, your kids are gonna feel restricted. There's no way around it. So you just have to decide which is a priority for you. Um, keep in mind that a lot of, while your experiences are certainly valid as the parent, um, we do have a lot of research suggesting that sugar does not lead to hyperactivity in kids. Um, there is a, a probably like moderate level of evidence that it's linked to hyperactivity in kids with ADHD. Um, but as far as kids without ADHD or like neurotypical kids, um, we see there being a lack of evidence for sugar being linked to hyperactivity. Oftentimes in these scenarios where kids are having a lot of sugar, it's at like holidays or birthday parties or like super fun and exciting times where there's tons of stimulation and tons of play and like lots of activity and lots of different people and just lots of things to take in. And those are the things that cause our kids to have trouble sleeping, not necessarily the sugar. Um, so keep that in mind. If you notice like you're restricting sugar from your kids and they're still having trouble sleeping after the holiday gatherings, perhaps it wasn't the sugar in the first place. Um, however, I'm a dietitian on YouTube. I don't know your kid and I don't know your kid's unique situation. So if you feel it's best for to restrict sugar from your kid at bedtime, you just have to make the decision and weigh the pros and cons and know that if everybody else is having dessert and you restrict it from your kid, they will feel restricted and there isn't really a way around that. So that's kind of my response for you there. Um, all right, next question is, my toddler never wants to eat anything when we're away at home, from home. What should I do? 
This sounds like a kiddo who's experiencing some mealtime anxiety. Um, so I would encourage you to reach out to either a mental health professional or a dietitian to help you kind of navigate this because we want your child to feel comfortable eating in different settings. Um, oftentimes kiddos with pediatric feeding disorders who experience mealtime anxiety and are put in a new setting to eat can struggle even more. Um, so this sounds like a situation where you may want to reach out for one-on-one -on -one professional support. Um, I don't recommend just like bringing them their own lunch or bringing them their own dinner and having them eat something totally different from the rest of the family. But of course, communicating with the person who is serving dinner, be it grandma, aunt, uncle, hopefully a family friend of some sort, somebody that you, you can talk to, to see if there's gonna be a safe food for your child. If there isn't gonna be a safe food for your child, you can always offer to bring a dish and make sure that that dish is one that your child is familiar and comfortable with, and that can help kind of ease them into the family eating situation that's away from home. All right, so a couple more questions here. How do I navigate hard candy meltdowns when, the, when it's a choking hazard? So like, let's say your two-year-old wants a candy cane or your you know, three-year-old wants a peppermint or any other holiday candies that might be laying around like in, in the dish on grandma's countertop. Um, sorry that I'm kind of targeting grandmas here. It can be any family members really. So when it comes to safety, my rule is hard and fast. I absolutely do not allow for dabbling in these foods that are a choking risk or a safety hazard for kids for the sake of a relationship with food. We can always repair relationship with food after the fact, um, and, but we can't repair a situation where choking has occurred and caused a medical emergency or a dire outcome. Um, so as the parent here, you would navigate this just like you would navigate a meltdown over any other thing that they can't do. How would you navigate a meltdown if your child wants to jump in the swimming pool and it's 40 degrees outside? Or how would you navigate a meltdown if they want to put their finger in the socket of a plug? You know, it's just, it's a safety hazard and you have to avoid it and navigate it like a safety hazard meltdown like you would any other time. Like, or for example, like your child is having a meltdown because they don't want to get buckled in their car seat. I equate that to they want to eat a hard candy. It's a safety hazard and we need to stick to our boundaries there. I do tell my daughter who's three and a half why she can't have certain foods and that it's a choking hazard. And she is definitely understanding that now. Um, it's really cute to hear her say, that's a choking hazard. So <laughs> she's totally a dietitian's kid. Um, all right, so that is it for the holiday food video. I saved a ton of content or questions for the difficult family dynamics, family pressure, family comments video. Um, so stay tuned for that. Make sure you watch that because that's really important. And it probably will be answering more of the questions that you have about like family around the holidays. Um, hopefully this was helpful and stay tuned for the rest of the videos in the course. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the content and want to hear more like it, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast with a friend. And don't forget to follow along on Instagram and YouTube at Growing Intuitive Eaters for more free courses and content related to healthy relationships with food, picky eating, and all things nutrition for kids. Happy feeding!